So it's happiness for me, using my own imagination for it. Hello, I'm Annie Muir, and this is Time for One Poem. In this episode, I talk to the poet, Teresa Munoz, and my poetry sceptic slash expert is Linda, a support worker at Fortune Works, a social enterprise for people with learning disabilities. Teresa tells me about finding a book of poetry written by her dad, which he'd never told her about. Then, me and Linda look at Teresa's poem, Simpson's Department Store, Toronto, talking about the myths we tell about how our parents met. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Annie. Thanks for coming to talk to me about poetry today. Uh, Great. No, I'm happy to be here. Okay, so since this is a show aimed at beginners to poetry, I want to start by asking you, what is a poet and what is your day-to-day life as a poet like? Um, okay, what is a poet? That's, that's a huge question there. Um, I guess a poet is someone who tries to capture moments um, in their work and is someone who's probably inspired by, by moments. Um, there's that uh, photographer, Ronnie Horn, who said there's no such thing as a frozen moment. Um, every moment is kind of active and liquid and moving. Um, and I think that's what a poet tries to capture in the work, the sort of like, um, you know, decisive moments in our lives that make us think about things. And I think they do that through capturing a kind of imagery or a kind of sense of, of being through imagery. So essentially, I think about that when I think about um, the kind of poetry that I want to write. And um, I guess like um, my day-to-day poet life, well, um, we just had a baby, so uh, my poet life is kind of um, all over the place these days. Um, but I, I'm able to write in between her naps, uh, so like half an hour here, an hour there. Um, and also up at night, I'm up at night a lot, so I actually end up thinking about my poetry more than I'm writing. But that's good, because when you're feeding, you have nothing else to do but think or watch uh, Netflix on your laptop. But um, yeah, I think about my poetry more. So um, I'm actually, by the time I get to write, I probably have a bigger idea of what I want to do. So yeah, just little snatches of time, but they're all hopefully adding up to something bigger. That's great. So what? how did you first get interested in writing poetry? What sparked that idea? Was there anyone who encouraged you when you were younger? Yeah, um, I had, I kind of knew I wanted to do this when I was pretty young. When I was in high school, I published my first poem and it was in a magazine. I'm from Vancouver, Canada, actually. And um, my first poem was in a magazine called the Claremont Review, which was in, um, it it was a magazine named for young writers. So you had to be under 19 to, to send it in. I remember having a poem in there and it was all professional looking and I was all really pleased with myself. But um when I was in high school, I remember um, I found my dad's book of poetry and I actually hadn't realized he was a poet. He never really talked about it. And I remember finding him being like, oh, what's this? And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I used to write a lot. And and I guess he ended up he met my mom in Toronto, which is something I'll talk about in a bit. And um, they had four kids and poetry just kind of went out the window for him. Um, so that always inspired me to kind of 
you know, take it on. But I was always interested in anyway. And we have a lot in common. And me and my dad always love the same thing. So that wasn't a big leap. So, you know, I got into writing with him and we'd go to poetry readings together. And it was all really, Aww. really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really <laughs> nice. And, um, and then I went to, when I was writing, I thought actually I wanted to be a novelist. I wanted to be like Alice, um, no, well, um, Margaret Atwood and Alice Monroe. You know, when you're growing up in mm-hmm. Canada, these are the big names, right? Michael and Dachi. I thought I'd be a fiction writer. Um, but then um, I didn't actually. And then I, I did a degree in creative writing at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. And um, I ended up taking as many poetry classes as fiction classes. And the first thing I had printed was a poem in, in a magazine called Room of One's Own based on Virginia Woolf's um, thing. And um, that was in Canada. Um, yeah, so I guess so far my dad and, and the people I was reading in Canada, I grew up with a lot of Canadian literature like Monroe and Ondaatje and Atwood, but also younger people like Lynn Cody and, and um, Annabelle Leon and just people I was reading. So that kind of made me want to be a poet when I was growing up. And I was, you know, I was doing lots of fun things like hanging out with all the other writers at you know, bars I was too young to be in and, and, and fun <laughs> things like that. Uh, you know, just trying to, you know, take on this. With your dad. Of next year this was was in university so it's okay Um, so So I first read your book uh, Settle in Langside Library in Glasgow which I found in there and I hadn't been here that long and it it gave me the sense that sort of everything's going to be okay when you wrote the poems were you thinking about people actually reading them and relating to them um, I hope people would relate to them um, because I don't think that coming to a new place wherever you're from is, um, you know, I don't think people write about that a lot in Scottish literature, to be honest. I think people kind of are from here and they kind of stay here and then they write about things. And, um, but not a lot of people write about coming to Scotland in, in that way. So I kind of thought I was hoping that um, obviously when you first start writing, you write for yourself and you really hope at readings and things that other people will find you, your experience to be a universal one. Um, you hope people chime in with them. So I, I was hoping, I was trying to get at the universal experience of coming to, to, to a new place. And it just turned out for me, it was Canada to Scotland, but I was hoping that people were, were finding ways to sort of settle into a new city than, you know, Scotland the way I was. Your poems seem quite personal. I'm not saying they are personal, but they seem personal. And you, you use a lot of stories about your family, history and your own life. I was wondering if you see poetry as a form of storytelling in that way. Um, yeah, no, definitely. That's a great comment. I, I do. I think poetry, when you have your first collection, I think a lot of your poems are personal because um, you use your first collection to kind of carve out who you are and what do you want to be to the world? And you tell your story. I mean, everyone's first collection is about their story, where they're from, you know, who their family is usually. Um, well, not everyone, but most people. And um, <laughs> and I found that that was kind of my way into it. And I wanted to tell that kind of immigration story. I mean, it came out in 2016, which is maybe five years ago now, obviously, but it came at a time in, in Scotland, there was a big change. There was the, you know, the independence um, movement and all that and there was a sense of things changing and happening and more people coming to Scotland and and that sort of thing um, 
So, I mean, writing these poems, I worked on them for about five years over my PhD at the time. And they, they were my story of, of coming to Scotland and settling in and trying to find my way through it. And also, you know, I was going through a time where I was wondering, like, why have I done this? You know, you, you know, you move to a place and you, you get to a certain number of years and you're like, I'm still here. You know, why am I still here? <laughs> and um, I guess this was my sort of answering to myself as to why I was still here and what I wanted to do. How do your parents feel about being characters in your poems? I do this quite a lot as well, putting mainly my mum in poems. And I always wonder how it feels to be put in a poem. <laughs> I wonder that too, yeah. Um, they've never really said, I think they're quite, um, they're quite quiet people. Um, so, the, and you know, we talk about, my dad was really tough to be in it, but um, my mum never really said. Um, they kind of regard it as, oh, you know, you know isn't that nice kind of thing no that's not true but they, <laughs> they um I I don't I don't know they never really talked about it but I think they were you know proud to be featured in I guess the one person I do wonder about is is actually my partner because when you write poems about relationships whether or not they're based on your relationship it always looks like that and he's always in the audience so I sometimes feel for him <laughs> when you're reading a relationship poem and I wonder if he thinks oh my god is that me but but yeah. Um, Do you stare into his eyes as you read it out? No, I, I look everywhere but <laughs> but him when I read when I read relationship poems. Um, yeah, I think I think actually if you are related to a poet or you know you're involved with a poet, I, I think it's a tough gig because you're you're mm. always going to end up in their work in some way. So I, I do feel for them. Luckily, I'm on the other side. So you're just material. Yeah, you're not yeah. you're not really anything more than that. So the second section of your book is called Digital Life. It's very modern. And the poems are quite different in that section, I find. Did you, like, why did you choose to um, divide it into sort of real life versus digital life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I wanted to just, they were just two sequences. They just ended up being that way. And I think possibly I could have mixed them and nobody would have really blinked at that but um, <laughs> at the time I, I didn't I, I wanted it to run sort of linear the two things I wanted them to be kind of separate and I was kind of interested in um, in things in a sort of a language that could be expressed through through the digital and through social media really um, I was kind of interested in the sort of what it brought out of us you know like you know, when you post something on Instagram or thing or whatever, and you wait for the likes to come in and, and things like that. I wanted to um, see how um, the digital world, you know, sort of put forth, sort of reflected our own emotions, our own insecurities, and how we sort of understood ourselves within these mediums. Um, and I understand it is very different from the sort of story I was telling with about migration. Um, but at the same time, it's not because... Um, I kind of thought it was still the same voice, the still, you know, the still the same voice that was trying to figure out different insecurities, trying to find themselves in in new places. And I kind of thought the tone of it hopefully links the two sections, um, and the voice is obviously the same. I think. And I guess because you're living so far away from your family and everyone you knew in Canada, it, the your past becomes kind of digital because if you want to talk to people from there 
it's kind of a lot of the time going to be digital unless you go and fly all the way to Canada. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a sense that that's what definitely that that's definitely what connected me back um, when I could be. But but yeah, yeah, there was a sense of that of, um, you know, an, another universal experience that I was trying to work out with, with that digital with that section. Okay, so although you're an expert on writing poems, even with a new baby, um, I think you're not an expert on your own poems because you're too close to them. That's why I'm going to take your poem, Simpsons Department Store Toronto, to be read by one of our non-poets. Does this scare you? Um, no. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Very brave. No, it, I guess so. It, it does. Um, um, will they be analyzing it or just reading it or um, all of the above? Uh, I want to say whatever makes you the most scared. So, yeah, they're going <laughs> to analyze it. <laughs> yeah. They're um, just going to read it. No, that's fine. Um, yeah. I don't really think that poets are ever an expert on their own work. I mean, you obviously you're right. I think they are too close to it. And they had one vision. And it's funny when you when um, I also teach at Newcastle University, um, and I love all my students, they're hilarious. And um, you just hear the different, you, you know, you give them a poem to analyze in class. And, and, um, and in creative writing, you teach in a different way, like you teach, like you're trying to point out devices, you don't teach for meaning in the same way. But you get all these different interpretations of poems and things. You think, wow, everyone reads it differently. So yeah, uh, I can totally get that I wouldn't be too close to it. And it would be interesting to hear what other people thought of it or how they analyzed it. Although I'd probably like, you know, l listen to it <laughs> later when I'm ready. <laughs> well, that's a very brave response. Everyone else is just like, yeah, terrified. <laughs> <laughs> You're confident. I like it. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to ask you to read the poem out if that's okay. But before you do, I want to say thank you for talking to me today. Oh, awesome. It was lovely. Okay. Simpsons Department Store, Toronto. My parents could have met in Manila on a sweaty jeepney or down a market alley. Instead, as two foreigners not used to hats, scarves, or heavy coats. They laughed when I asked where. Oh, in the stationary aisle, mom hunted a present for a nun and dad searched for paper clips. Two years later, married at St. Michael's, he in a rumpled suit and she in a bargain dress, clutching winter roses. But they could have met at a hospital. The years uncovered this fact. In Manila, mom was nursed to dad's sick aunt. But back to that day in the stationary aisle, Mom chose a fountain pen. Dad said, that's a good present for a nun. I tell their story to feel less lonely. The sweet rush of one leaving first, then the other. Beyond the stores, bold signs and frosted steps. Into Toronto's starry expanse. As if this was how they came in, came over. Twin dark heads in the snow. Hi, Linda. Hi, Annie. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for coming to talk to me today. You're welcome. Okay, so firstly, when someone says the word poetry to you, what is your general reaction? Well, um, poetry 
takes me back to thinking of poetry you got when you were at the school, um, rabbit buns and uh, things like that. Uh, and it was always a bit of storytelling as well with it. And, and I think a lot of it as well depends on actually the reader. Mm-hmm. Did you like it at school? Uh, oh, it was that long ago, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't taken it up since? Uh, just, I've, I've, like, came across it. See, like, sometimes maybe in books or, like, the likes of Fortune Works here at my work, uh, like, different scenarios, but it's not been a personal choice. Right, so you're kind of, if you see it, you might give it a little read, but other than that, you just, you leave it alone. Yeah. All right, great. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Um, my name is Linda. Um, I'm a support worker uh, and I work at Fortune Works uh, for Enable Glasgow. I work in a setting uh, where it's social enterprise and a lot of uh, activities facilitating life skills. We receive a lot of funding, like uh, like for the big lottery, uh, different places. Uh, we've got a garden centre, so uh, we grow all with the own plants. We do private gardening, where our guys go out to do like church grounds, like other people's gardens, the local leisure centres. Basically, we've got 120 service users that attend the centre. Um, so it's very, very varied on a day-to-day -day basis. Two days are never, ever the same. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 fab. It's like it's like a small community. Like they come in, see their friends, they have coffee, they have lunch, and then they, everyone gets divided into a group. So we've all got like a timetable which we follow. And as I say, there's lots of it that's fun, but a lot of it is obviously life skills um, that people need on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. And what about in your spare time? How do you relax? Uh, um, <laughs> I, I, I do I like reading. I go in, like if I get myself lost in a book, I've got it constantly, but then I can go for a wee while and no uh, read anything. Um, uh Keep fit fanatic. Um, know that know that you would know looking at me. Um, but as I say, it's all about the taking part. So I go to boot camp several times a week. Um, I've got a small dog. I love out walking with her. Uh, and the usual socialising with friends. What's your dog's name? Poppy. Oh. She's a wee Maltese. <laughs> oh. All right. Would you consider? yourself an expert in anything and this could be anything like starting a campfire or whatever an expert i wouldn't say i was an expert i'd give a, i'd give everything a good go okay but if you had to choose something to be an expert in i would say um i'm an expert at conversing with the guys at work okay perfect <laughs> so you can always think of a conversation to have with someone yeah it's a good skill um and a lot of the times it's about as well and here kind of thinking out the box just or like deal with things uh, uh, on the spot kind of thing so I, I'm, I would say I'm quite good at that when I'm in here but 
I don't know, nobody's really very good at kind of giving themselves a pat on the back. Yeah, they're saying I'm an expert at this. Uh, well, okay, I'm going to decide it for you because today you are our poetry expert. Right, right. So we're going to look at the poem Simpsons Department Store Toronto by Teresa Munoz. Mm-hmm. Can you read it out for me? Yes, I can. My parents could have met in Manila on a sweaty jeepney or down a market alley. Instead, as two foreigners not used to hats, scarves or heavy coats, they laughed when I asked where. Oh, in the stationery aisle. Mum hunted a present for a nun. Dad searched for paper clips. Two years later, married at St Michael's, dad in a rumpled suit, mum in a bargain dress, clutching winter roses. But they could have met at a hospital. The years uncovered this fact. In Manila, mum was nursed to dad's sick aunt. But back to the day in the stationery aisle, mum chose a fountain pen. Dad said, that's a good present for a nun. I tell their story to feel less lonely, the sweet rush of one leaving first, then the other beyond the store's bold signs and frosted steps into Toronto's starry expanse. As if this was how you came in, came over, twin dark heads in the snow. Thanks very much. Very well read. Thank you. Okay, so what are your first impressions of this poem? Was there anything that stood out to you? Uh, it gives me the impression of a curious son or daughter asking mum and dad, how did you first meet? How did the love story begin? And they're a bit reluctant to give them the full version, so they're trying to roman- romanticise it a little bit. Yeah, they're sort of adding their own spin to the story, aren't they? Maybe because they don't have that much information, so they have to kind of add more. Mm-hmm. So we got the basic storyline of someone talking about their parents meeting. Yeah. But they're also sort of talking about how their parents didn't meet, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They're sort of saying they could have met here, but they didn't. They, they could have met here, but they didn't. Why do you think you would do that? Well, they're only getting the the parents' version of events and they maybe know that they're not getting all the correct facts. So obviously they weren't there. So it could be and it couldn't. It's just whatever version you want to pick out of it. Yeah, it's kind of... um... You always are interested in something that you can't know because obviously you weren't there. Yeah, and it's it's good to use your own imagination to these things. Definitely. And if if they hadn't met, you wouldn't be there. So it's kind of important. Yep. <laughs> Do you know the story of how your parents met? Um, my parents met, they were both at school together and then they left school and it was uh, back in the 60s um, when it was everybody get really dressed up to go out and it was like the kind of the, the dancing like in the ballrooms um, in 
it wasn't ballroom dancing, but that's where they were. So they were, it was like the Beatles and like different clubs and all that. So it was like my mum's friends and my dad's friends and like they all started kind of dating each other. And that, like, I know they got married, every single one of them all get married and like they all kept in touch throughout life. Um, and all of us were all like brothers and sisters, uh, their families were all around about the same age. So that's so funny. So they all met at the same dance. Yeah, yeah. Or is, is it one dance or like that they used to go like every weekend? No, it was like every weekend. Um, like <laughs> the tro- the Trocadere and uh, oh, there was loads of different places all over. That's so nice. Do you like telling that story? Yeah, because um, especially now, it, it kind of brings a smile um, to my face because my parents are no longer here. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice way to remember them. And as I say, I've got the bit of um, romanticism, like my own wee fantasy, like, oh, this is the mate. And it was like, oh, my dad sweeped her off her feet. And so it's kind of, it's a wee bit of happiness for me, using my own imagination for it. You can even imagine, like, what they would have said to each other, even though you can never really know. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Was your dad a charmer? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, great. So, in this poem, she's telling us this story, and my question would be, if I was reading this, why is she telling us this very personal, specific story about her parents? Well, looking at it as well. It's maybe she's reflecting on the life as maybe one of them's, maybe both of them's no longer here. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually says in the poem, she actually answers this question. She says, I tell their story to feel less lonely. So that could be because what you're saying, yeah, she's not with her parents mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. But why else would telling this story make you feel less lonely, even if your parents were alive? Because it's, you're you're thinking about them, you're thinking good, nice, happy times, you feel close to them. Mm -hmm. So the poem's in like two different sort of bits, isn't it? Because when she says this, when the, the speaker says, I tell their story to feel less lonely, that's like a sort of change in the poem because it has been very much like, about the story and then suddenly it sort of feels like there's a little change so can you read just the last two stanzas out for me again right um i tell their story to feel less lonely the sweet rush of one leaving first then the other beyond the store's bold signs and frosted steps into toronto's starry expanse as if this was how you came in came over twin dark heads in the snow so what do you think about that ending because that's the bit that kind of confuses me about the poem the there's like the last stanza is really small it's only three lines and the other ones are all six or seven lines yeah and it just feels a bit like what 
uh, yeah, it, it's she's reflecting, as as I say, like it's making the person feel less lonely, and then it's telling us one leaving fast, then the other. What beyond. about the um the last bit? And as if this is how you came in. Mm-hmm. What question do you have about that? It's just defining who is you. Yeah, it sounds like it could be talking about um, this speaker's own relationship or someone they want to meet or might meet because it it goes from talking about the parents to talking about you as if this was how you came in. Yeah, maybe she's talking to a child. Oh, yeah, maybe. I didn't think of that. Like she could be telling the story to one of one of her children. Yeah, I see what you mean. It could be sort of telling the story of your parents to your child. Yeah, seeing this is your grandparents and this is this is what happened. But for me, as a as a nosy person, I would think, why wouldn't they tell the story of of their own meeting their own partner if they were talking to their child. Yeah. Um why why haven't they why aren't they telling their own romantic story? That makes me think that maybe they're thinking of a future partner that they haven't met. But the grammar would be wrong for that. Yeah. Um I think maybe it all depends which way you look at it. You could a couple of different things you could take out it. Yeah, that's true. Um, And we just have to kind of decide what we want because that's usually the case with poems. You just have to kind of decide what version of it you want to be. If you want it to be a romantic poem, you'd think, oh, they're falling in love or something. But they're just keeping their own story secret so we can't even know what's going on. Yep. Um, but I like your interpretation of telling a child. I think that's great. So we've kind of come to some sort of understanding of this poem in a short time. I'm sure um, the listeners will all have different interpretations yeah. based on their own experiences. So do you think you'll look at poems differently after this? Well, yes. Um, and I know, obviously, it was um, it was great what you done, Annie, over Zoom. Um, for Fortune Works um, during lockdown when we were all working from home. So it would be nice if you could come in sometimes and personally give us a wee visit. Mm-hmm, that would be really great. I'd love that. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I know you're very busy. Yep, yep. Thanks for inviting me and I hope to see you soon. Join the conversation to read the poem in full go to www.time41poem, that's with the numbers four and one, .wordpress.com and comment with your own interpretation of the poem. This podcast was made using funding from the National Lottery through Creative Scotland. Thanks for listening.